الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد وإن شرح في الكتاب صفة صلاة النبي من التكبير إلى التسليم كأنك تراها written by محدث ديار الشام محمد ناصر الدين الألباني رحمه الله تعالى we stopped at um, or we spoke about in our <coughs> in our last lesson placing your hands on your chest we discussed what the author rahimahullah mentioned there and inshallah ta'ala we're now going to carry on from there bi'idhnillah al-kareem naam the author rahimahullah here he talks about to look at the place of prostration and khushu'. The author, rahimahullah, there are a couple of things that he mentioned in this chapter. Um, there are a couple of things that he mentioned in this chapter. Point number one. Where is the place um, of the person who is praying? Where is the place they look at? Um, the ahadith have shown that the person who is praying, the place in which they look at is mahal um, sujood the place of prostration. Place of prostration is where the person looks at. So what does the person do? If you're standing uh, like that, uh, straight, you slightly tilt your head a bit down. You slightly tilt your head a bit down. Okay? And you look at the place of the sujood. And this is the sif, this is the sifa, the characteristics of the Messenger sallallahu when it came to uh, praying the salah. Um, some scholars, they said that, some scholars, that the person who's praying, uh, what he has to do, the one who's praying with the Imam, there's an Imam, and the one who's praying with the Imam, what he does is that he looks jihatul Imam, the direction of the Imam, uh, so he can follow him. And they use the evidence as the ayah, فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطْرَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ Direct your face towards the Kaaba. And so they said that the Imam is in the Kaaba direction. So you just look at the Imam. That's what the ayah said. And also they used the hadith of that the Imam was made to be followed. So by looking at the Imam you'll be able to follow him, they said. Um, so that's their argument which they uh, brought. Um, but what we say is that the ayah is not speaking about the eyes, it's talking about the head and the body facing towards the qibla. As for the eyes, they look towards, yeah, they look towards the mawdu uh, sujood, the place of prostration. Point number two um, when the person is in al juluzul tashahud, when the person is in the tashahud, and you're in your tashahud, then you look at 
Um, the uh, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Sorry, Kana sallallahu alaihi The Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam was one that if he sat in the tashahud, ashara bi usbuhi wa rama bi basarihi ilayha. That the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he would point his finger and he would throw his eyes at it. Yeah, and he would look at it. So he would look at his finger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That is when he was in the tashahud. Um, which we're going to come to inshallah ta'ala in the Julusu Tashahudi bi'idhnillahi al-kareem and the discussion regarding that. Point number three. The prohibition that has come from um, raising your eyesight to the sky and that this is haram. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, a group of people will leave off يَرْفَعُونَ أَبَصَارَهُمْ Raising their eyes, يعني looking up. If they don't, إِلَى السَّمَاءِ فِي الصَّلَاةِ أَوْ لَتَخْطِفَنَّ أَبَصَارَهُمْ Or their eyesight will be taken from them. يعني these people will not be able to see the truth. يعني your eyesight. Here what it means is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take from you the ability to recognize the truth when it comes to you. Point number four. النَّهِيُ عَنِ الْتِفَاتِ فِي الصَّلَاةِ the prohibition that has come from uh, tilting your head. Al-iltifat means that the person turns their head or their chest and you turn away from the qibla. This is a prohibited thing that the person should not do. And Some of the people of knowledge, Ahlul Ilm, they mentioned that the Salah nullifies if the person does iltifat, and if he t- d- turns away from the, from the qibla, that the salah is uh, nullified. And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam described it as to be what? Ikhtilasun yakhtalisuhu shaytanu min salatil abidi. It's shaytan stealing from the person's salah. So if it doesn't nullify, at least it's a reduction, as that hadith shows. That it's not necessarily going to be fully nullified, but it's going to reduce it, because it's shaitan stealing from your prayer. Uh, so, that's that, inshallah ta'ala. Number five. And al-musalli alayhi, the person who's praying, it is upon him that he turns towards, or he turns in his salah, bikulliyati, in, in all of it. And when the person is praying the salah, they do it wholeheartedly. And that they recognize that they are in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So point number five is, it is upon the person who is praying that they turn towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wholeheartedly. And that they recognize that they are in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said in the hadith, لا يزال الله مقبلا على العبد في صلاته ما لم يلتفت فإذا صرف وجهه انصرف عنه. If the person wholeheartedly faces Allah subhanahu wa taala and is consistent upon that um, and doesn't turn around, turn away from Allah azza wa jalla, then Allah تبارك وتعالى is um, facing you. And if you turn away, you lose that. Allah is no longer facing you, subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
ولذلك the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم he used to say to the companions this is to pray the salah wholeheartedly that your heart is facing the qibla your mind is facing the qibla your 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 body is facing the whole you're wholehearted that's what it means the hadith the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he used to say صلي صلاة مودعين pray the salah of a person who's greeting the final moments كأنك تراه as though you can see him فإن كنت لا تراه فإنه يراك if you can't see him he sees you Yani pray the salah feeling that this salah is probably going to be a last prayer that you're going to pray in this world and that after this is death for you. And so perfect your prayer and turn towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Point number six. Um, the author, rahimahullah, he brought that which has come from the prohibitions of naqaratuka naqaradiki. Um, not doing like the pecking of the pecking of the um, the uh, hen or the chicken or the bird that only pecks your salah it shouldn't resemble that you should not make it like that he mentions it rahimahullah ta'ala He says it here, the narration is The Prophet he pray, he he forbade three things pecking like a hen, squatting like a dog, and the dog the way it sits down and it sits its legs, don't. And looking around like a fox. You know the fox when it walks, it doesn't really walk straight, generally speaking. The fox always is looking around. Those three things the Prophet are prohibited. Mm-hmm. The Shaykh mentioned that. So three things are prohibited from us. The uh, pecking like the hen. And the Like the squatting of the dog. And also to stay away from the, uh, the looking around like a fox. So the person shouldn't resemble the animals. And that is why you tend to find some people when they do sujood, they put their hands, all of this, on the floor. Like that. You're, you're, that's prohibited. You can't do that. You're not allowed to allow, it, allow to do that. And inshallah ta'ala, we're going to come to that when we come to sujood inshallah ta'ala. But the two that concerns us, uh, and we're going to come to the issue of the naqra uh, to deek, the pecking of the hen. But the one that the author wants from here is Al-iltifat kiltifati thalab. Do not be one who looks around like the fox. That is what's meant by here. Number seven. Hudurul al-qalbi wal khushu'i fi salati Having khushu'a humility in the prayer. Having khushu'a in the prayer. The author, rahimahullah, he brought the hadith of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said alayhi salatu wa sallam that there is not a person who when obligatory prayer is due excels in its ablution, humility and bowings. The person does their 
um, wudu properly and they come with humility and it's khushu' and it's ruku' illa kanat kafara except that it will be for that person a remission an expiation lima qablaha min al-dhunub for all his pre- previous minor sins ma lam ya'ti as long as he doesn't come with a kabira wadalika dahr and that is for all of time that opportunity is for all of times so this hadith shows the um, concept of khushu' and the virtue of the person who comes with khushu' if you come with khushu' your sins will be uh, ex- uh, it will be erased for you but the expiation here is for the minor sins as for the major sins uh, according to the jumhur ahlul ilmi la tughfaru illa bitawbah you'll only be forgiven if you um, repent from it it requires repentance from the uh, person so those are the seven points that the author rahimahullah brought rahimahullah ta'ala and he mentioned some things that could cause the khushu' to go he did things that may make the khushu' go for example praying in a place or a surrounding or, uh, or wearing clothing that have signs and marks and alamat hmm? which when you pray it could um, you could lose your khushu' also having a cloth and pictures spread in front of you of course it's going to take away your khushur so the shu'ut rahimahullah brought some narrations regarding that where the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he prayed in a khamisa and it had marks on it and the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam when he finished he said take this khamis of mine to abu jahmin and bring me his his ambajaniyah ambajaniyah bring that it was a type of clothing it was a type of tailored clothing bring me his ambajaniyah i want his one uh, and he then sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that this basically diverted my attention from the prayer so it took away my khushu' he said sallallahu alaihi wasallam the author rahimahullah he goes into dua al-istiftah the opening supplication of the salah and in this chapter he talks about five points inshallah ta'ala five masail mas'alatul ula the first mas'ala is ma mahallu dua al-istiftah where is the um, place of the dua al-istiftah where's the place for it the place of dua al-istiftah is between takbiratul ihram wa qiraatul fatiha it is between the Allahu Akbar of the opening and also the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha and the evidence for that is the hadith of uh, Abi Huraira كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَسْكُتُ بَيْنَ تَكْبِيرِ وَبَيْنَ الْقِرَاءَةِ إِسْكَاتَةً um, قَالَ أَحْسِبُهُ قَالَ هُنَيْئَةً فَقُلْتُ بِأَبِي وَأُمِّي يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ إِسْكَاتُكَ إسكات 
إسكاتك بين التكبير والقراءة ما تقول قال أقول اللهم باعد بيني وبين خطاياي كما باعت بين المشرق والمغرب So Abu Huraira mentioned that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's silence was between the takbiratul ihram wa qira'ah and between the qira'ah yani qira'at suratul fatiha he used to be quiet for a little bit faqultu i said bi abi anta wa ummi ya rasulullah i free my mother and father for you o messenger of allah iskatuka your silence your pause bayna takbir wal qira'ah ma taqul what is it that you say between the two ah. so that's where it is is between the opening and the yani takbiratul ihram and qira'at suratul fatiha it's been between that there's a slight pause there Number two, ma hukmu du'a al-istiftah. What is the ruling of the du'a al-istiftah, the opening supplication? What's the ruling? And when we say ruling, we mean is it wajib, or is it mubah, or is it uh, makruh, or is it uh, is it haram? You know the ahkam al-shar'iyatul khamsa. Yani al-wujub, al-tahrim, wal-karaha, wal-istihbab, wal-ibaha. And which of those five does it fall under? Of course, it's not going to be haram or makruh or even mubah. This is ibadah that we do. So it's either one of two. It's either wajib or mustahab. That's the discussion. Those are the one of the two it's going to be. So the scholars, they have two views regarding this. Regarding the dua al-istiftah, the opening supplications. There are two views regarding it. One view says that it's wajib. It's wajib. And their argument is the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, La tatimu salah. The salah is not completely ahadi min al-nasi, anyone from the people, hatta yukabbira, until he does takbir, wa yahmadullah, and he praises Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wa yuthni alayhi, and he continues praying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wa yaqra' ma tayassara min al-Qur'an, and the person recites that which they are able from the Qur'an, so when the Messenger was teaching Musi'u Salatahu, the one who prayed his Salah badly, the Messenger said to him, La tatimu salah, the Salah is not complete. Yani this Salah is deficient. For any one of the people, unless he does Takbiratul Haram, he prays Allah Azza wa Jalla, he, um, he does Sana of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he continues praising him, and then he reads the Quran. So you can see takbiratul ihram and praising Allah. And the praising here is a supplication. So from this, some of the scholars they took that it's wajib. That is wajib. They use this hadith. Another view says it's mustahab. It's recommended. That's the second view. That it's recommended. And the ones that said it's recommended, they, they use two points as their argument. Two points. The first one is that um, the Messenger did not specify what way to specifically read that is obligatory on the people. And when you say it's obligatory, all of these forms that Sheikh Albani just mentioned now in the opening supplication, are they all obligatory? So that means if somebody is the other one, is a sinner. So does that mean we have to read all of it? Or is there one specifically that we have to read? And if there's one specifically that we have to read, then where is the evidence for that specific one to be read? To be read? Okay, so that's the first argument that they said, and they said if it was wajib, the Messenger would have specified one of those du'as. Good. Second point that they used, and they said 
that shows that it's not obligatory is Hadith Abi Huraira, the Hadith of Abu Huraira. It has come that Abu Huraira, he asked the Messenger Sallallahu I free my mother and father for you. What is it that you say between Takbiratul Haram and the Qira'ah of Suratul Fatiha? What do you say? And then the Messenger told him what he says, Allahumma ba'id bayna wa bayna khatayaya kama ba'ata bayna al-mashikhi wal-maghrib. So, this hadith shows that it's not obligatory. How? The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught them the prayer and it wasn't from the things he taught them, the dua al-istiftah. And he taught them how to pray before. But the dua al-istiftah, he didn't teach them. That's why Abu Huraira wanted to know. And if it was wajib, he would have taught them Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he didn't teach them ibtida'an and he didn't initiate teaching them. He only taught them after they asked for it. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And so they said these two show that it's not obligatory. And that seems to be strong. Point number three. The dua al-istiftah, does it have one particular form? Of course the answer is no. It doesn't. The dua al-istiftah does not have one particular form. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. It has come from the Messenger وسلم, in many siyah. Many forms. And this is called bab min bab ikhtilafi Variations in recite, reciting it. All of these have come from the Messenger وسلم, and all of them are recommended. So, it is from those things that a person should try to vary between when they start the prayer. So memorize all of them if you can. So you can vary between them. It's like the qiraat of the Qur'an. If a person learns the qiraat of the Qur'an, it's good for them to vary between it. The tashahud, which we're going to see, the tashahudat. The tashahudat, we're going to see them, inshallah ta'ala. There are variations also, there are variations of wordings. It's good to always learn the different variations and differences. This helps towards your khushur. It helps towards the khushur of the prayer, that it doesn't just become something, Allahu Akbar, and you just read one dua and then you do ruku and sujood. Change it, because your focus comes back. Point number four. It is, is it a sunnah? Point number four. Is it a sunnah um, for a person to combine between more than one form? Is that a sunnah? In one prayer, the person combines different, between different forms. And he says all of these forms in one prayer. Um, that which has come, that is that the person cannot say more than one form in one prayer. So when you do istiftah in one salah, you do this one. And in the salah, you can do the other one. But you cannot do all of them in one salah. You can't. Um, because the sunnah is to do istiftah with one dua from these duas that you have. As for to combine between all of these siyah, all of these forms in one time, um, it's not allowed. But if the person does do it, then the salah is fine, but they've gone against the sunnah of the Messenger وسلم, and the person is commanded to follow the sunnah if he's looking for reward from Allah Azza wa Jalla. If he's looking for reward from Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Point number five. How is this called? Um, الدعاء الاستفتاح The uh, opening supplication 
Why is it called Dua al-Istiftah? When we have some of its forms where there are no requests, the person is not requesting for anything. How can it be called Dua al-Istiftah? Some of its forms are actually not uh, Dua. The person is not asking Allah for something. Okay? How can it be called uh, Dua? Because you know Dua generally means, Oh Allah, give me this. But some of the forms that the Shaykh mentioned, some of them, it's not a supplication. Like for example, the Messenger Sallallahu used to say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar Kabira. And you say, Allahu Akbar Kabira, Walhamdulillahi Kathira, wa Subhanallahi Bukratan wa Asila. Alhamdulillahi Hamdan Kathiran Tayyiban Mubarakan Fi. These are, you're not requesting for anything. This is where the scholars mentioned that the dua is two types. There's a dua talab and dua mas'ala. Dua talab and dua mas'ala. Dua talab is when you're requesting for something. You are asking Allah something, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whereas dua mas'ala, okay, they said, Sorry, the first form, I apologize. The first form is known as dua al-mas'alatu wa-talab. That's one type. You're requesting from Allah something, subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are asking from some. Mas'ala means to ask and al-talab means to request. You're asking Allah. That's the first type. That's where the scholars, this, they took it from. The first one is dua al-talab wal-mas'ala. Okay? Which is the one that we say, Rabbi Ghfili, Rabbi Rahamni, Rabbi Ba'id Bainu wa Baina Khatayaya, and we're begging him. That's one. The second is called Dua Ta'adhimin Lillahi, wa Tamjidin wa Tanzih. Or in other words, is referred to as Dua Ul Ibadah. It's called Dua Ul Ibadah. Dua Ul Ibadah is what? It is you're venerating Allah Azza wa Jalla, you're glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're honoring him subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Nabiullah Nuh did. What did he say? La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu min al-dhalimeen. And the Prophet referred to that as what? He referred to it as a, the dua of Yunus ibn Matta'a. But Yunus ibn Matta'a didn't request for anything. He just said, La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu min al-dhalimeen. Also, Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, also the Prophet Sallallahu said in a hadith, Afdalu dua the best dua that a person can make is what? It is what? La ilaha illa anta, la ilaha illa Allah wahadahu la sharika la. That's what the Prophet said, Afdalu dua yawmi arafa. The best dua of the day of arafa is what? La ilaha illa Allah wahadahu la sharika la. So this shows, um, also, Jabir ibn Abdullah narrated that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Afdalu dhikri la ilaha illallah. The best dhikr is la ilaha illallah. Wa afdalu dua'i, and the best dua is what? Alhamdulillah. So how do we combine between that? So alhamdulillah is, not a, you're not a mas'ala, you're not requesting for anything. You are doing a ta'zimu, wa tamjidu, wa tanzihu. So the scholars, that's where they took it from. Now, um, there's one point, that I missed, that I wanted to mention, which is the sixth point regarding the previous chapter. 
the previous chapter we mentioned five, right? There's one point, sixth point that I wanted to mention, which is we tend to find a lot of times also in the Quran we find it, and we also find it in some of the du'as that the du'a it says in it, وَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ I am the first Muslim. And some people they have ishkal with this. What does this mean? I am the first Muslim. وَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ What does it actually mean? Because in one of the du'a that the Shaykh Rahimullah transmitted, that's what it says. Uh, the one where it says, وَجَهْتُ وَجْهِيَ لِلَّذِي فَطَرَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ حَنِيفًا مُسْلِمًا وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ إِنَّ صَلَاتِي وَنُسُكِي وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِي لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهِ وَبِذَلِكَ أُمِرْتُ وَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ أَنَا أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ What does it mean? What is the intent behind it? The response to that is, وَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ means wherever you find it in the Quran or you find it in the hadiths and the statements of the Messenger, it means I am the first person who when they hear your command, O Allah, to implement it. And I am the first to jump to it. I'm going to make sure I do it straight away. As we say in our statements when we talk, if someone says to you, would you do something for me? And you say, yeah, I'll be the first to do it. I will be the first to do it. That means I will hasten to do it. I would be fast in doing it. I will hasten to obeying you, O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is what is meant by Ana awwalul muslimin. So that's the sixth point that I wanted to point out, inshaAllah ta'ala. Now we're going to go into the next chapter where the author rahimahullah talks about al-qira'ah, which is recitation. The author rahimahullah, he talks about here recitation. And he mentions a couple of points, inshaAllah ta'ala, that I'm going to point out. Couple of points. Point number one. Um, point number one. What is obligatory on a Muslim when he wants to pray the Salah before reciting Surah Al-Fatiha? What is it that he must do? That which is obligatory on the person or on a Muslim if he wants to recite the Qur'an is to start with the isti'adha. Now the scholars, they discuss in the prayer and also outside the prayer, does the person have to read the isti'adha? And the isti'adha is to say, A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Is it a must? Do you have to read the isti'adha if you want to read the Qur'an? Scholars, they say it is obligatory. And they got the obligation from the ayah where Allah ta'ala, he said, فَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ now some people might say If you have read the Quran How does that work? Do you, after you finish the Quran Do you say If you have read the Quran Now this means If you want To recite the Quran And your intent Is to recite the Quran فَبْدَأْ Start with the isti'adah By saying أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ Say that And the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم Whose etiquette was the Quran He would not read صلى الله عليه وسلم The Quran in the Salah Or outside the Salah Unless he read the isti'adah صلى الله عليه وسلم And we follow him لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ Uswatun Hasana. Point number two. What is the sirah 
the form of the isti'ada. <coughs> How do you say the isti'ada? Um, that which is thabit, transmitted, min siyagil isti'ada, the forms that are transmitted in the way to say the isti'ada are as follows. The first form is, which has come in the Quran, is to say, A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim. That is the one that has come in the Quran. Okay? Where did it come in the Quran? The ayah that I just read. Where Allah says, فَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ فَاسْتَعِدْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ فَاسْتَعِدْ بِاللَّهِ أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ That's the first form. The second form is, which also has come in the Quran, is قَوْلُهُ تَعَالَى وَإِمَّا يَنْزَغَنَّكَ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ فَاسْتَعِدْ بِاللَّهِ إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ That's one qira'ah. Or you can say, إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ so this ayah, Allah says, وَإِمَّا يَنْزَغَنَّكَ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ نَزْغٌ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ مَا إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ So from this, the scholars, they took, it is a, you must say, according to this form, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمُ Sorry, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ السَّمِيعِ الْعَلِيمِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمُ The second form that has been mentioned is in the Sunnah. The author, rahimahullah, mentioned it here. Sheikh Al-Allama, Muhammad Nasir al-Din al-Albani, which is to say, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم من همزه ونفخه ونفثه. This fourth form, the fourth form, is to say, أعوذ بالله السميع العليم من الشيطان الرجيم من همزه ونفخه ونفثه. Those are the four forms that have come from the Messenger Sallallahu and the Quran. Two from the Quran and two in the Sunnah. The, second, uh, the third mas'ala, the, first, the third mas'ala, the third point that we want to speak about in this chapter of the recitation of the isti'ada that the Shaykh Rahimullah mentioned is Al-isti'ada tuqalu sirran wa la tuqalu jahran. The isti'ada is said uh, with a low pitch. They don't say it very loud. You don't. It has not been transmitted from the Messenger Sallallahu nor the companions, not from the Tabi'een, that they recited the Isti'ada very loud. Whether it be in the prayer or whether it be outside the prayer. So you shouldn't ever say, A'udhu Billahi Minal Shaytanir Rajeem. And then you read, you shouldn't. Whether you're in the prayer or outside the prayer. Now point number four. Do you say, do you say the Basmalah? Does the person recite it loudly? The author also spoke about that issue. The scholars have disputed one another. They disputed reciting the basmala loudly. They disputed it. From amongst the people there, from, the, from amongst the scholars, there are those who said, you say it loudly. And this is the view of the Shafi'iyah. And there are those who said, La yujharu biha, you do not say it loudly, wa huwa qawlu al-jumhur. And it's the view of the overwhelming majority. Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, mentions it in his ad, rahimahullah, rahmatan wasi'ah. He mentions this issue and the discussions regarding it in the, um, he mentions it in his ad. So it's a mas'ala khilafiyyah, it's a disputed issue, it's not just khilafiyya, but it's mas'ala ijtihadiyya. 
It's an ijtihadi issue, which la inkara fihi, insha'Allah ta'ala, that we shouldn't make a big fuss about it. But that which seems strongest and apparent is that the Basmala should be recited, should be recited, but not loud. It should not be read, it should not be read loud. It should be said very low. But if the person reads the Basmala, then they have the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that he used to recite it sometimes loud, sometimes. But it was very rare. It wasn't all the time. Sometimes he would read it very rarely. He would recite it loud. But the overwhelming majority of times, he ﷺ, he would read it very low. And that was the constant way of the Prophet ﷺ. The author, rahimahullah, he goes into now reciting the uh, Quran, the Qira'ah of the Quran. The Messenger ﷺ, his recitation and the way he used to recite is one verse at a time. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. يَقْرَأُ الْقُرْآنُ مُفَصَّلَةً آيَةً آيَةً You read it verse and then one verse. And he was following the ayah وَرَتِّلِ الْقُرْآنَ تَرْتِيلًا And the scholars, they call um, that which has come from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam يُسَمُّونَ مَا جَاءَ فِي هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ بِوَقْفِ السُنَّةِ They call it وَقْفِ السُنَّةِ Because عُلَمَاءُ الْقِرَاءَاتِ one of the ulumul Quran, one of the things that are studied is ilmul waqfi wal ibtida. One of the things that are studied is waqf wal ibtida. Where do you start and where you stop? Where, do you st- where can you start from when you're reading the Quran and where can you not stop? Yeah, and in some places in the Quran, the waqf is qabih. Standing here is very evil and it's bad. You cannot stop here. The, change, the meaning will change and it will alter the meaning of the Quran. Okay? And some places you cannot start from because the meaning will change if you start from there. So, this is what the ulama al-qira'at, ulama scholars who study and they discuss ulum al-Qur'an, they call this waqf al-sunnah. And they come through the sunnah to know this. So they specify the places where the Prophet stopped and the places where he started from. Um, and they give it rulings. And that the Messenger he used to stop at the ending of every ayah. Whether the meaning is connected to the next verse or not, he would stop sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this, it is called al-waqfu ala ru'usil ayah, which does not harm the meaning and it doesn't change it from the way it's meant to be. For example, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he would recite Fatiha by saying, Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. And he would stop. And then he would say, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. And then he would stop. And then he would say, Maliki Yawmiddin. And then he would stop until the ending of the surah. That is the qira'ah of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, which is qira'ah mufassala. Yaqra'u ayah ayah. He would recite it one verse at a time. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 
So it is upon the Muslim to strive to following the Sunnah of the Messenger وسلم, in the recitation, which is to recite the Quran verse at a time. A verse at a time. As Allah said also in the Quran, tartila, to stop at every verse where it's where there is a stopping. Even if there's the meaning is connected to the other verse, even if it is. And the ulama of Qiraat they pointed out, such as Jamaluddin al-Sakhawi rahimahullah, and also Abu Amr al-Dani and Ibn al-Jazari and other than them from the ulama, this concept of al-waqf wal-ibtida. They spent their time talking about it. And the author rahimahullah here, he also pointed it, he also pointed it out. Ibn al-Jazari rahimahullah, when it came to the ayah of Surah Al-Fatiha, in his kitab, Tahbiru Al-Taysir Fi Al-Qira'at Al-Ashr, he mentions the farsh, farsh al-huruf fi Surah Al-Fatiha, he said, Qara'a Asimun wal-Kisai wa Ya'qub wa Khalaf, Maliki bil-Alif, wa Qara'a Baquna bi-Ghayri Alif. Asiman Kisaiyan Ya'qub, and Khalaf, Al-Ashr, they read, um, the ayah as Maliki Yawmiddin. Okay? Asim al-Kisai, Ya'qub, and Khalaf al-Ashir. They read it as Maliki Yawmiddin. And the other remaining, they read it as Maliki Yawmiddin, without an alif. And this is Qira'a, Mutawatira, transmitted from the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It was transmitted from the Messenger, Alayhi Salatu Wasallam. And the Sahabas radiallahu ta'ala anhum, they took this from the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam in large number. We'll stop there inshaAllah ta'ala and we'll carry on after the Salah bi-idhnillah al-kareem. So before the Salah, we, we spoke about reciting one verse at a time. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to go into the next chapter or the next point that the author rahimahullah brings now. The author rahimahullah, here he talks about Rukniyatul Fatiha wa Fadailuha. He talks about the Fatiha is a pillar and its excellence, yani the virtues that have come regarding Suratul Fatiha. So inshallah ta'ala there are a couple of points that we want to touch on that the author rahimahullah mentioned. And they are uh, six things that he mentioned. Six points. Point number one. And qira'at al-fatiha fi salati ruknun. Reciting surah al-fatiha in the prayer is a pillar. Anyone who prays the salah and does not read fatiha, فَصَلَاتُهُ بَاطِلَةِ His salah is null and void. That is if he has the ability to recite fatiha. The Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, لَا صَلَاةَ لِمَنْ لَمْ يَقْرَأْ بِفَاتِحَةِ الْكِتَابِ and the word la salata means a la salata sahiha. There is no salah sahih. Liman lam yakra bi fatihatil kitab. And this shows that fatiha is a ruknun min arkanis salah. Mas'ala tu thaniya. The second mas'ala. Is it enough to recite fatiha one time in the salah or is it a must that the person repeats in every rak'ah from the prayer? That which is understood from the hadith, which is la salata liman lam yakra bi fatihatil kitab. That the recitation of Fatiha has to be in every rak'ah from the rak'at of the salah. In the first rak'ah, he recites Surah Al-Fatiha. 
and whatever else he can read. And the second rak'ah, he recites Surah Al-Fatiha and whatever else he can read. And in the third rak'ah, he recites only Fatiha. And the fourth rak'ah, he only reads Fatiha. That is if the salah is four units. And the evidence that the Fatiha is requested in every single rak'ah of the salah is that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he taught the man who prayed his salah badly, he taught him to recite Fatiha, and then after that the Messenger said to him, فَفْعَلْ ذَلِكَ فِي صَلَاتِكَ كُلِّهَا Do this in all of your prayer. Ay, do what I have taught you, do it. فِي كُلِّ رَكْعَةٍ in every rak'ah from the rak'at of the salah. So that shows and indicates and proves that reciting Fatiha is requested in every single rak'ah from the rak'at of the salah. Point number three. The person who is unable to recite Surah Al-Fatiha, ماذا يصنع? What does he or she do? The Sunnah has shown that the person who is unable to recite Surah Al-Fatiha to do that which the Messenger ﷺ taught Al-Musi'u Salatahu, the one who prayed his salah badly, which is to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to exalt him subhanahu wa ta'ala, to continue praying him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him, the one that prayed the salah badly, Khalad ibn Rafi'in, the Messenger said to him, فَإِنْ كَانَ مَعَكَ قُرْآنٌ If there's a Qur'an with you, فَقْرَأْ بِهِ Read it. وَإِلَّا And if not, فَحْمَدِ اللَّهَ وَكَبِّرْ وَهَلِّلْ The Messenger said, Praise Allah by saying, Alhamdulillah, and say, Allahu Akbar, and say, La ilaha illallah. That's what he said to him. In another hadith, it has come that he said, قُلْ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ Walhamdulillah, wala ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar, wala hawla, wala quwwata illa billah. Say that. So if the person doesn't know Fatiha, they can say this until they learn Fatiha. Number four. It has come in the statement of the author, Al-Allama, Muhaddithu Diyar al-Sham, Muhammad Nasiruddin al-Albani, rahimahullah, that it's a must to recite with Fatiha. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. It has come in the statement of the author, Muhaddithu Diyar al-Sham, Muhammad Nasiruddin al-Albani, that it's a must that the person recites with Fatiha, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. When you read Fatiha, you must read Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. That's the statement of the Shaykh. Because of that which has come from the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إِذَا قَرَأَ الْفَاتِحَ The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, إِذَا قَرَأْتُمُ الْفَاتِحَ If you recite Fatiha, فَقَرَأُوا Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Read the best manner. فَإِنَّهَا آيَةً فَإِنَّهَا آيَةٌ مِنْهَا Because it's an ayah from it. Because it's an ayah. Because it's an ayah from it. Because it's an ayah from it. سورة الفاتحة An ayah from it. Based on this hadith is the basmala. Surah Al-Fatiha has seven verses. And it is an ayah from it. According to the author, rahimahullah. Naam. Also the fifth 
point that the Shaykh Rahimahullah brought is Fadlu Suratul Fatiha. The virtue of Suratul Fatiha. It has been mentioned from the virtues of Suratul Fatiha that it's the mother of the Quran. And it's the glorious Quran in which the Messenger was given. That's why Allah that's why the Messenger وسلم, he said, He has Mathani. It's the seven verses that repeats itself. Well Quran Azim and it's the glorious Quran which I was given. And it's Surah Al Fatiha. Seven verses that repeats itself. The Quran is divided into three. The Quran, all of it, is divided into three. The first one is that Tawheed wal Aqeedah. The Quran talks about Tawheed and Aqeedah. The second is that the Quran talks about Ahkam, jurisprudent rulings, halal and haram. Al Amr wal Nahyu, do this and don't do this. Stay away from this, come with this. And the third one is Qisasul Anbiya'i wal Salihin wal Sabiqin wal Umam wa ma ila dhalik. It talks about the stories of the prophets and the messengers and the righteous people and the early nations, the good of them and the bad of them. Surah Al-Fatiha has all of those three in there. All of those three are in Surah Al-Fatiha. That is why it's called the glorious Quran. That's why the messenger when he said, it's the seven verses that repeats itself. And it's the glorious Quran. And Fatiha by itself is the glorious Quran. Because it has all of the three things that the Quran has in it, Surah Al-Fatiha has in it. Look at it. The early part of Surah Al-Fatiha has in it Al-Aqeedah and Al-Tawheed. It has it in it. It also has Ahkam and the evidence for the Ahkam is the concept of Al-Ibadah. To follow what Allah commanded you to do is what a concept of a slave is. And staying away from what your master told you to stay away from. Yani the ahkam applies on an abd, a slave. So that's the second part that is in there. Also, the qissas of the prophets and the righteous people and the shuhada is the ayah, Sirat al-ladheena an'amta alayhim. The path of those you have bestowed your blessing onto. And who are those Allah bestowed His blessings onto? Allah mentioned in the Quran, So this surah is the mother of the Quran and it is the glorious Quran as the Prophet referred to it. Because it has all of the three things that the Quran consists and contains. The sixth point, so that's the virtue of this surah. It's the virtue of this surah. Also from the virtue of this surah is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the hadith al-Qudusi, قَسَمْتُ الصَّلَاةَ بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَ عَبْدِي نِصْفَيْنِ I divided the prayer between my slave and me into half. فَنِصْفُهَا لِي Half of it is for me. وَنِصْفُهَا عَبْدِي And half of it is for my slave. وَلِعَبْدِي مَا سَأَلَ And my slave will be given what he asks for. So the salah is half is for Allah and half is for the slave. If the slave says, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Allah says, Hamadani Abdi, my, play, my slave has praised me. When the slave says, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Athna alayya abdi, my slave is continuous in praising me. And if the slave says, Maliki yawmiddin, Allah tabarakahu wa ta'ala says, Majadani abdi, my slave has glorified me. Until the ending of the famous hadith that the author rahimahullah mentioned. This hadith is the hadith used against the scholars who say that the basmala is an ayah from Surah Al-Fatiha. It's a response to them. Because the hadith mentioned, Iqra'u Yaqulu al-abdu. Abu Huraira, when he narrated it, he started with what? Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Yaqulu Allah Ta'ala, Hamadani Abdi. It didn't mention the basmala. And if the basmala was an ayah from Surah Al-Fatiha, it would have been mentioned. And that is a very strong argument. A very strong argument. Okay, al-mas'ala tu sadisa The seventh, sorry, the sixth point is the zahir of this hadith. When we look at the zahir of the hadith, usuliyin, they have mas'ala known as zahirun nas, from the apparent. Ma yatabadaru ila dhihni, that which hastens to the mind. The first thing that comes to the mind, when you look at the hadith, la salata liman lam yaqra bi fatihatil kitab, it is referring to all of the prayers. It's referring to all of the prayers. And when we look at la salata liman lam yaqra bi fatihatil kitab, hadith ubadit ibn Samit, when we look at it from the apparent, that which hastens to the mind, is that it's referring to يَشْمَلُ جَمِيعًا salawat. That it's referring to all of the prayers. All of the prayers. Whether that prayer is read loudly, or whether it's the salah, where it's not read loudly, it seems to be for all of that. Whether the salah is obligatory prayer, whether it's a voluntary prayer, it seems like. Whether that prayer is prayed at night, or whether that prayer is prayed at daytime, it seems like it encompasses all of that. Whether it be the first two rak'ah of the salah, or whether it be the last two rak'ah of the salah, if it's a salah ruba'iyah, a four, four rak'ah prayer, it seems to refer to all of that. From the dahir of this. Okay? And so inshallah ta'ala, we're going to go into this issue, inshallah ta'ala, as the author mentioned it in the next chapter, bi al-Karim. Yani the issue of reciting Fatiha in... Um, Allahul Musta'an reciting it in uh, the salawat which are jahriya we're going to come to that inshallah ta'ala naam the author rahimahullah goes into mas'ala known as reciting surah al-fatiha in the uh, behind the imam in a loud prayer Sheikh al-Albani rahimahullah he sees naskhul qira'ati wara' al-imam fi al-jahriya he sees that the abrogation of recitation behind the imam in the loud prayers. He believes it's abrogated. That's the author's rahimahullah ta'ala's opinion. So he sees that if a person is praying behind the imam in salawat, which are referred to as salat jahriya, the salah where the recitation is loud, like maghrib or isha or fajr, those three prayers are jahriya. The imam recites loudly. The person who is praying behind the imam does he listen to the recitation of the imam or does he have to read as well? Yani, the imam is reading Fatiha loudly. Is that recitation of the imam a recitation for me 
Or do I also have to read Fatiha as well, who's praying behind the Imam? That's basically the discussion here. The Shaykh Rahimahullah believes that the reciting of the Quran behind the Imam is abrogated. It's an abrogated issue, he believes. Shaykh Nasir Rahimahullah. The abrogation of recitation behind the Imam in the loud prayers. He believes this is a mas'ala which is mansukh, abrogated. In other words, Shaykh Albani and Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Taymiyyah, in the 23rd volume, page 266 in his al Fatawa, he mentions and argues both of them, Albani and Shaykh Al-Sam Taymiyyah, both believe that Maghrib, Isha, and Fajr, you do not read Fatiha loudly. Okay? You don't read it loudly. You, no, you can't even read it. Sorry, You don't read it at all. You listen to the Imam. His recitation is your recitation. That's the opinion that they hold. Like in Ahlul Hadith, um, the overwhelming majority of them, and the fatwa of legend Da'ima in Saudi Arabia, uh, with the Udu being Abdullah ibn Qu'ud and Abdullah ibn Ghadayan and Abdul Razak al-Afifi being the Na'ib and Sheikh ibn Baz being the Ra'is, they gave the fatwa that the hadith of Ubaidah ibn Samit, which is La Salata Liman Kitab, that the Fatiha must be read behind the Imam whether the Salah he's reciting loudly or not. And Ibn Baz, Abdul Razak al-Hafifi, Abdullah ibn Ghudayan, Abdullah ibn Qu'ud, all of them hold that opinion. And Legend Da'im is fatwa, that's how it is. That's the fatwa of Legend Da'im. It is also the fatwa given by Sheikh ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah ta'ala. That's the fatwa they gave. And that seems to be the strongest of the two opinions. I repeat, there are two opinions when it comes to reciting the Fatiha loudly. Sorry. There is two opinions regarding reciting Fatiha behind the Imam in Salah, which is recited loudly. Yani Maghrib, Isha, and Fajr. Those three prayers. The person who is praying behind the Imam, must he also recite Fatiha? There are two opinions. The first opinion says, yes, he must. It doesn't matter what prayer it is. Whether it's a Salah Jahriya, whether it's Salah Ghayru Jahriya, Sirriya, whether it is Nafila, whether it's Wajib, whether it, you're an Imam, whether you're the Ma'moom, whether you are Safar, whether you are Hadar, and it doesn't change, whether it's Layl, whether it's Nahar, it doesn't matter. You have to read Fatiha. There's no exception. Hadith Ubaidat ibn Samit, La salata liman lam yaqra bi Fatiha al-Kitab is mutlaq. That's the first view. The second view is that the Hadith of Ubaidat ibn Samit, which is La salata liman lam yaqra bi Fatiha al-Kitab, it refers to um, only the Salah, which is Sirriyah. And it also only refers to, um, uh, sorry, it only refers to Salah, which is Sirriyah. Any salah which you read by yourself and you're, you're, they're saying, you have to, if you're praying by, by yourself, you have to read Fatiha. If it's Dhur, Asir, or Maghrib and you're praying behind the Imam, it doesn't matter. You have to read Fatiha, they're saying. If you're a traveler or you're a resident, it doesn't matter, you have to read Fatiha, according to them. And if it's day or night, it doesn't matter to them, you have to read Fatiha. Only time they say you don't have to read Fatiha is when? Is when you're in a salah. And you've got an imam, and that imam is reciting loudly. 
and he's reciting the salah loudly. He's reciting Fatiha loudly. His Fatiha is your Fatiha. You do not have to repeat it. Okay? You don't have to read it. And the second view is weak and the first view is correct that you have to recite Fatiha. You must recite Fatiha even if the Imam is reciting Fatiha. That is the strongest uh, view. Even though the two great scholars who've taken the other opposite opinion are Ibn Taymiyyah and Albani. And other than them from the people of knowledge, like in that which seems, that which seems apparent to me, uh, is the first view, is that the person prays uh, and recites Surah Al-Fatiha, whether you're praying by yourself, whether you're the Imam, whether you are um, uh, praying behind the Imam, whether he's reciting loudly or whether he's reciting it loudly, it doesn't matter. You have to recite Fatiha. Also, the author Allah's argument that there's abrogation here, we say there is no abrogation. There isn't no abrogation. Because abrogation is only resulted to when there's no way to bring it together. Sahib al-Maraqi, what did he say? That it's obligatory to try to bring the evidences together before you go towards abrogation. Abrogation is the final result. So, and it's a final uh, move. First try to combine and bring them together. So bringing these nusuls together is possible. It's possible, which is uh, specifying Fatiha min jami'i'l-nusus So we specify Fatiha from these general evidences. For example, the author Allah brought the ayah وَإِذَا قُرِئَ الْقُرْآنُ فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ وَأَنْصِتُوا لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ That if the Qur'an is recited, listen to it and be silent, so Allah has mercy upon you. We will say that is for every Qur'an other than Fatiha. يعني that ayah is general and Surah Al-Fatiha is specific. وَلَا تَعَارُضَ بَيْنَ الْعَامِ وَالْخَاصِ There is no contradiction between a specific evidence and a general evidence. That's what we say. Also, the author, Rahimahullah's statement where he said, That the Imam was made to be followed. If he says, Allahu Akbar, say Allahu Akbar. If he recites, be silent. We say again, this is min umumi qawlihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That is a general text. And generally, when he recites the Quran, be quiet. But Fatiha is only exception here. It's the only exception here. Um... So that's the way, inshallah ta'ala, forward. So the third point, inshallah ta'ala, in response to Sheikh al-Albani's view and Ibn Taymiyyah's view is, remember we responded three points. Point number one, we said there's no abrogation. Why did we say there's no abrogation? Because the asal in the nusus al-wahiyyain is adamun naskhi. The asal, the naskhi is qadiyatun tari'ah. Yani the nusus, the Quran and the sunnah, generally abrogation is not the default position. The default position is Adamun Nasri. Abrogation is not. Abrogation is not the default position. The default position is that it's not abrogated. So we're holding on to the default position. So we are not asked for evidence. And the one who says abrogation to the Quran or the Sunnah is always mutalabun bid-dalil. We ask him, hey, how did you abrogate this verse? The one who says it's not abrogated never is demanded to come with evidence. Okay? That's point number one. Point number two, we said, there is a way to even bring it together. There's a virtual jama'ah. There's imkanul jam'i wa tawfiq. We're able to bring these two texts together. 
So that was the second response that we gave. And we showed how to bring it together by saying the, the evidence that the Shaykh here brought are general. Adilla which are um and Qiraat Surah Al Fatiha is a is 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 khas and the khas takes precedence over precedence over the am. Okay, point number three in response to Sheikh Albani and Ibn Taymiyyah in this issue is that and had al Jamahadith Musanif. The author himself, the evidence that he brought, it, it proves our point. Sheikh Nasir, the evidence that he brought proves our point, rahimahullah ta'ala. And that is, they used to recite, the Musannif, if you look at Sheikh Al-Bani, Salat al-Fajr, someone recited the Quran. فَتَقُلَتْ عَلَيْهِ الْقِرَاءَةِ The Qira'ah became heavy on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. فَلَمَّا فَرَغَ When the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam finished the prayer, he said to them, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَقْرَأُونَ Some of you seem to be reciting the Quran. خَلْفَ إِمَامِكُمْ Behind your Imam. قُلْنَا نَعَمْ we said, yes, O Messenger of Allah. The Prophet then said, La tafalu, do not do it. And then the Prophet said, Illa an yaqra ahadukum, unless one of you is reciting bifatihatil kitabi, fa inno la salata liman lam yaqra biha. Unless one of you is reciting fatihatil kitab, because there is no salah without fatiha. So the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he made them all listen to his recitation when he recites any other surah, but Fatiha, he made an exception. Yani he made this a takhsis, khas, and the others he made it am. Those three responses are the easiest way to respond to this particular issue. And there's more to speak about, but time doesn't allow it. So this seems to be strongest. وَالْعِلْمُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ Knowledge is with Allah Azza wa Jalla. Now the author, rahimahullah, he goes into the mas'ala known as وُجُوبُ الْقِرَاءَةِ فِي السِّرِّيَّةِ the obligation of reciting uh, in the uh, quiet prayers. Yani Surah Al-Fatiha must be read in the quiet prayers. So the Shaykh doesn't want you to think that he's of the opinion that you don't read Fatiha at all. Uh, no, no, he's, he doesn't believe that. He only believes that you don't have to read Fatiha when there's an Imam who's reciting the Quran loudly in the prayer and you're praying behind him uh, like Maghrib, Isha and Fajr. So he now is showing you that when it's Salah Sirriyah and you're praying behind the Imam, for example, if it's Dhuhr or Asir, you have to read your own Fatiha. So he mentions five points, inshaAllah ta'ala, in this chapter. Point number one, Hukmul Qira'ati fi Sirriyah. What is the ruling regarding the Quran in the uh, uh, quiet prayers? As you can see from the chaptering of the author, um, he says that it's obligatory. And as we mentioned, we, do, we hold that not only this one is obligatory, but the previous chapter is also obligatory. Ali Salah Jahriya and Salah Sirriya, we believe that both of them are obligatory. Naam. We believe they are both obligatory. Number two. Al-Qira'atul Jahriya hiya an yaqra' al-insanu bihaythu yasma'uhu man yakunu qariban minhu. The author, rahimahullah, he um, he brought the narration where the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught the companions how to recite the Quran loudly. The reciting of the Quran loudly means that 
The person who's close to you is able to hear it. Whereas the quiet recitation is that the person recites it that the person himself can hear himself. And the person next to you can hear you as well. Some people they think reciting the Quran quietly means just not to move your lips. And you say, How, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm reading it in my brain. No. Sirriya doesn't mean that. Sirriya means that you can hear your own recitation and the person next to you can hear you. That's important. Number three. Al-mashru'u fi salati an yaqra al-musalli fi al-rak'atayni al-ulayayni bifatihati al-kitab wa surah That it is legislated in the salah that the person recites in the first two rak'ah. Fatiha and another surah. And the next two rak'ah, if it's four rak'ah, the person just recites Fatiha alone. Or if it's three, the person recites in the first two, Fatiha and another surah, and the third one he only recites Fatiha. Okay? And this sunnah has been transmitted from the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the author mentioned it for you. Number four. That the musalli, the one who's praying in his salah, inama yunajillah, he's, he's calling on to who? Allah Azza wa Jalla. When you're praying, who are you calling on to? Allah Azza wa Jalla. So, if you're calling on to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is upon you to not confuse others who are praying in their salah. And you're calling on to Allah, and Allah can hear you subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah hears everything. And He can hear you subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, do not be a person who causes other people harm in his recitation. Number five. The reward of reciting the Qur'an. The author, rahimahullah, mentioned the famous hadith of Alif Lam Mim that the Prophet ﷺ told us that each of those letters, you get ten rewards for it. That's a very great reward. So, it's good to recite long surahs so you get more reward from it. Those are the five points that the author rahimahullah pointed out in this chapter. Naam. In this chapter, the author rahimahullah mentions, um, he mentions um, five points inshaAllah ta'ala. The author rahimahullah mentions in this chapter five things. Point number one, the or five points are in this chapter that we want to discuss inshaAllah ta'ala. The first thing is what does mean actually mean in the Arabic language? It means Allahumma stajib. Oh Allah obey. Oh Allah accept. Oh Allah accept. Waqila and some scholars they said it means subhanakallahumma ya. It means subhanaka ya Allah. It means exalted you are our Lord. And some scholars, they said it means Ya Allah. It just means Ya Allah. If, this, if the Musalli, the one who's praying, hears the Imam recite Fatiha and then he recites غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ It is Sunnah to say after him Amin, As the Messenger used to uh, do so. So it's a Sunnah to do that. Because the Prophet said, Sallu kama usalli, pray the way I used to pray. Number three, the statement Ameen 
is a sunnah for the imam and it's also a sunnah for the ma'mum. Yani imam and the ma'mum, both of them, it's a sunnah for them. It's a sunnah for the imam in the salat al-jahriya. Yajharu biha. He says it loud when he recites Fatiha. He says, Ameen. He says it loud. And it's a sunnah for the ma'mum to say it loud when he recites غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلِيمَ الْضَّالِينَ to say Ameen. And that's when the imam and the ma'mum both come together. يعني غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين They both say it together. Okay? Point number three. فضل قول آمين What's the virtue of saying آمين? The author رحمه الله mentioned that if the person says آمين who is the imam if the imam says آمين and the angels say Ameen. And the one who's praying behind the Imam says Ameen. All of them. And they Ameen coming come together. Okay. فَالْتَقَى تَأْمِينُ الْإِمَامِ مَعَ تَأْمِينِ الْمَلَائِكَةِ مَعَ تَأْمِينِ الْمَأْمُومِينَ غُفِرَ لَهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ دَمْبِ The person's sins will be forgiven for them. If the angels and the Imam and the Ma'moom who's praying behind the Imam, all of their Ameen are in line, your sins will be forgiven for you. Point number four. The mentioning, or the, to point out, to unite upon saying, Ameen, it shows the, uh, or it indicates that the ma'mum who's praying behind the imam, he's present when the imam is reciting the Quran, he's following the recitation of the Quran, and so that he's able to say Ameen with the Imam. That's the purpose and the wisdom behind it. And then you find some people, subhanAllah, when the people all finish the Ameen, Ameen by himself. By himself he's saying Ameen. No, it's wrong. Number five, pointing out what's the wisdom, I mean, what's the purpose in saying Ameen? An important point that I want to point out here is that the purpose of mentioning Ameen. Some people they think that when they are in Salatul Qunut, we all pray Salatul we mention Salatul Qunut, we pray, right? And the Imam sometimes when he's doing the Dua'ul Qunut in Taraweeh, for example, he mentions at the beginning not a Dua, but he praises Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sah? He's praising, glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some people, they just say, Subhanaka, Subhanaka, Subhanaka. They keep saying that. They don't say Ameen. This shows, this Ameen shows them that they are wrong. How? Because Surah Al-Fatiha, in it there is Tamjeed and Tahmeed and all of that. And there's also Dua. Um, so it shows you that both of them, you say Ameen for it. Remember we said Surah Al-Fatiha? In it is dua, where you're asking Allah for guidance. And there's also, t- 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 sorry, remember when you mentioned dua, was two types. Dua was two types, sorry, I didn't mention Surah Fatiha. I mentioned su- dua al-istiftah. In the dua al-istiftah, when I was speaking about it, I mentioned that the dua is two types. Dua talabin wa mas'ala. And dua, which is ibadah. I'm a tamjid and tahmid and tahleel and um. The dua talab, which is the, the person supplicating, is asking Allah for something. 
Surah Al-Fatiha has that, where you say, Ihdina Sirat Al-Mustaqeem. Oh Allah, guide me to the straight path. There's a talab here. There's a mas'ala here. But there's also you saying, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin, Iyyaka Na'budu wa Iyyaka Nasta'een. All of that is not talab, and it's not a mas'ala. You're not asking for anything. This one also, you have to say Ameen for it as well. So this teaches us that when the Imam is doing qunut and he says praise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we say Ameen the same way we say Ameen when we want Allah to give us something. I hope that point is understood. Naam. The author, Rahimahullah, Al-Alama, Muhammad Nasiruddin Al-Albani, Rahimahullah, he now goes into the recitation of recitation after Al-Fatiha. He mentions a couple of masail. Point number one. He mentions that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kana yaqra'u ba'da al-Fatiha surah that the messenger used to recite after Fatiha a surah. He used to recite after Fatiha surah. Number two. He used to lengthen sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the recitation sometimes in the prayer. He used to sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But what I do want to say here is, is that lengthening the prayer, it goes back to muraati halil ma'mumin. You have to observe the situation of the people who are praying with you. You can't just lengthen the prayer without observing those people. Um, and that's very important. Point number four. Mm-hmm. Point number three, sorry. كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يخفف الصلاة إذا عرض عارض من بكاء الصبي. That the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used to shorten the prayer. If he heard a child cry, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If there was a child that cried, the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he would shorten the prayer. He would shorten it, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Point number four. من السنة في القراءة what is from the Sunnah when reciting the Quran is أن الإمام يبدأ بسورة that the Imam starts a surah and he finishes it. Some people always like to take some surahs. For example, they always read the ending of some surahs, or they like to read the middle of some surahs here or there. Like in the Masjid Sahih norms were, he loved to recite surahs that he would start them and finish that surah. And that's the best, to read a whole entire surah. Well, it will then become common to recite from Surah Al-Qaf below. Generally speaking, Qaf below it to Surah Al-Nas is what you should generally lead the people with. Because those are the surahs that are not too long and also uh, they're not too short, some of the surahs. So you can always get your surah from them. The fifth point that the author rahimahullah mentions in this chaptering is Yajuzu, it is permissible to recite Surah Al-Ikhlas and then to recite a Surah after it. As the, some of the Sahabas used to do that. And the Messenger affirmed that. A person can say Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, read Fatiha and then he reads Surah Al-Ikhlas and then he reads another Surah after it. Or he recites two Surahs in that prayer, he can. 
نعم the author rahimahullah he now goes into the chapter of the the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam would combine between similar surahs and others in one rak'ah yani he would recite similar surahs and others in one rak'ah so there are a couple of points inshallah ta'ala in this chapter that need to be mentioned that we're going to mention inshallah ta'ala so seven points inshallah ta'ala point number 1 it is from the sunnah that an yajma'a al-imam fi salati bayna as-suwar al-mutamathilati fi al-ma'ani the suwars that are similar in terms of meaning it is it's a sunnah to bring them in what uh, in the prayer what is from the sunnah for the imam to do when he's leading the prayer it is to combine between similar surahs as the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to do surahs that were similar and similar here means and similar in meaning like in reminder in ruling in stories for example he used to combine between surah ar-rahman and surah an-najm and surah al-qamar and surah al-haqa and surah at-tur and surah al-dhariyat and the likes of these surahs he used to bring them together point number 2 this ch- chapter of the sheikh or this section of the sheikh um he brought an rasulullah kana al-ghalib min amrihi annahu yaqra'u fi kulli rak'ati suratin wa ahyana suratayn that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in majority of his situations he used to recite in in a rak'ah a surah and sometimes he would recite two surahs and rarely did the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam recite some of a surah yani the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam rarely recited the middle of a surah majority of the time he either recited one complete surah or two surahs in one rak'ah المساله الثالثه the second مساله the third مساله الذي ذكره المصنف that the author mentioned رحمه الله تعالى which is from the qira'ah of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam in their prayer is which he used to do sallallahu alayhi wasallam in his prayer with his companions or he used to do in his prayer by himself the third chapter the third point inshallah ta'ala that the author رحمه الله mentioned that the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to recite the quran in the prayer he used to do that with either his companions that he knew or he would do it within within his own prayers and he wouldn't do it in prayers where there are guests and visitors that would come to him sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he would do this he would do this to his companions who he knew and himself alone by himself at night when he's praying and no one is with him sallallahu alaihi wasallam ولذلك هذا السنه that the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught muadh ibn jabal when muadh lengthened the prayer and it caused harm to the people the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said to muadh to recite wa duha uh, sorry wa shamsi wa duha wa shamsi wa duha sorry and to recite wa layli idha yaghsha he said right, recite these surahs in isha um, and not to lengthen it on the people um 
And then he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he was talking about leading other people, That if you're going to lead the people, shorten the prayer. Don't make it hard on them. But the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he would pray with his companions who knew him and he knew them, and he was by himself, there was a way that he used to pray, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Point number four. There is, it's not a must that the recitation is done in the order of the Qur'an when you're reciting it. Because the Messenger Sallallahu will recite Surah Al-Rahman and then Wal-Najmi. That's what the narration mentioned. And then Waqtarabat al Yeah. And he will recite with them Al-Haqah. So there's not a must that the Surahs are in order. Yani Surah Al-Rahman and Surah Al-Najmi are not after each other. Yani Surah Al-Rahman, if you go upwards, the surah after is not Surah Al-Najm. Okay, it's not. It's Surah Al-Qamar. Ma'adharik, the Prophet ﷺ will recite Surah Al-Rahman and Najm, and he will recite Surah Al-Qamar and Surah Al-Haqa. And Surah Al-Haqa and Surah Al-Qamar, there are a big distance between them. So that's another point. <laughs> but what is fit is to try to read the Qur'an in the way that... The, or the best is to read it in the order that it's in. But you're allowed to. The Prophet was showing the companions that you can. Alayhi salatu wasalam. al-Imam al-Nawiyu in his majmu' and he also said something similar in his kitab al-Tibyan fi adabi hamalat al-Qur'an is that he said, wal-awla an yaqra ala tartib al-Mus'haf. That what is the best is to read the Qur'an in the order that the Mus'haf is written in. Okay? Point number five. Anna asma' al-suwar al-Qur'an tawqifi. That the names that Allah... I mean, the names that have been given to the surahs of the Qur'an are taken from the religion. Yani a person cannot just coin a name for the sharia. A person cannot just coin a name for the surah. Yani the names of the surahs are tawqifi. Tawqifi means they are textually based and not based on independent reasoning. Surah Al-Rahman, Surah Al-Najm, and these are, this issue is mentioned in Kutub Ulum Al-Qur'an and we've explained this issue a bit more when we were talking about when we explained the Nuqaya of Suyuti. Point number six. And Rasulullah At night time when the Prophet would pray by himself he would lengthen the prayer. He would re- recite Surah Al-Baqarah and then uh, Surah Al-Nisa after it and then Ali Imran. That's five juice and something. Number seven. From the sunnah is, if the person who's praying in the salah or outside the prayer, from the sunnah, is whether you're in the salah or outside the salah. If it's read, for the person to say, Subhanaka, Fabala, to say that. We'll stop there inshallah ta'ala and the rest we will do tomorrow bi idhnillahil kareem.